Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode number 13 of the Chris Rose Rotation. We are back at the top of the rotation, but you might notice we're starting the lefty instead of the righty reliever, Trevor May. There's a little quirk in the schedule, so we want to welcome back for the third time this season, Stephen Brault of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Hello, friend. Hi, Chris. How's it going, man? You're my friend, too. I don't want to make it seem like I'm not returning the friend thing back, yes. but um, I like using names when I remember them. Uh, so, hi, Chris. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, <laughs> for people that are joining us just audio only right now, it looks like you're holding a lightsaber. Um, that thing's not going to go off and, like, take your head off, right? No, I'm very careful with it. it it's funny, actually. So, so normally I have this microphone, like, set up like this right because it has a a stand that is over there but uh since i'm in a hotel i i don't want to you know completely unpack my life so all i have yeah. here is like a suitcase um so i i don't have that stand it's in my car it will be you know whenever i move into another place which should be soon but it ended up being a little bit more of a fiasco than it should have been so um so i'm still in the hotel right now but it, it's fine all right, we've got a lot of ground to cover, but first I want to say that you're actually making a lot of people very happy because they were complaining. You're such a good-looking guy, but they were complaining that you had the microphone stand right in front of your face. So uh, they will actually enjoy that you have to hold this thing and like it's an ice cream cone. Well, thank you to everybody who said that. I'm sure it was my mom and my grandma, but I will uh I will be I might do this from now on because this is kind of nice. I kind of feel a little bit more free. You know, I can move uh -huh. around the space. You can see my my beautiful hotel here in the back background. Um, yeah. Okay, let's get to it. Um, days after we recorded the last episode in which your buddy Joe Musgrove was so wonderful on, I get a text like, hey, is Brault going to do the show? And I was like, what do you mean is he going to do that? He just did the show. Somebody said, no, he got hurt. And I was like, what the fuck? What do you mean he got hurt? <laughs> so take us through what it, what happened, where you are, what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so my last outing in spring training, it was, it was March 19th. We were, we were, you know, getting close to beginning the season. I was slated to throw four innings that day. Um, and I felt good the whole day. I didn't have any pain or anything like that. Um, in the middle of the first inning, probably after two or three hitters, um, I started to feel what I thought was a cramp in my tricep actually. Um, and, uh, pitch the rest of that inning, you know, it wasn't getting better, but I thought maybe it's just, you know, I need to go in, stretch out a little bit. I'll be fine. Um, stretch out a little bit in between innings. It was feeling a little bit better. It came out for the second inning. And then when I started throwing again, you know, at full, full, full go, I guess, once the inning started, um, it, it was not coming out as hard. Um, and it just hurt, you know, once again, I thought it was my tricep. Um, uh, so I, after that second inning, I, I told uh, Sheltie that I couldn't couldn't go back out there, and we went and got looked at. At first, thought it was just kind of a small, you know, little agitation or something like that. What after we did the actual looks, um, looked at MRI the next day, it turns out it was it was worse than we thought. Obviously, which is why I'm I'm out for a while, uh, but on the 60 day. So I ended up um, like getting a strain in my lat, uh, right where your lat and your tricep or not yeah sort of like connect so it's like a muscle tendon connection basically they're like fingers mm -hmm. that overlap and mine were like frayed like this um so there's not really any surgery to be done you just gotta wait for them to come back together but Yield. you know these last few weeks i've been you know i've been doing a lot more work than i thought i was gonna do you know i i've been working out every day um i've been able to use my upper body and stuff I i'm not throwing yet but um but definitely recovering well 
Um, so I feel good. And, uh, yeah, now it's just kind of like, uh, you know, work back up to everything and, and start throwing here soon and, and get back. But I am in Bradenton, uh, at our spring training site and, uh, you know, it's minor league spring training now. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of people here. Um, but you know, it's been great as good as it can be. Obviously I want to be up there playing baseball, but, um, you know, it's kind of like I'm in Florida. It's nice and hot. I sit by the pool in the middle of the day. I'm, I'm at the field a few hours of the day. Um, there's a lot of free time obviously, but, so, um, yeah, you know. you're bored to tears. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I have super bored. I, I, I like sit by the pool. Like I've gone to the beach, I'll play video games, uh, watch, I watch a lot of baseball, like a lot of baseball, basically whenever it's on, I have it on my laptop on the MLB, just constantly, whatever game is like currently playing. Um, and you know, watch movies, watch shows. There's, being stuck in a hotel is not ideal because I can't like set up my whole life. So I'm trying to get into a condo, which I should soon. And that'll hopefully open things up a little bit, you know, but for now, this is where we're at. So, okay. This is weird because I don't think most people, I don't have a clue. I've covered the sport for 30 years and I have no idea who pays for all this stuff. Do you have to pay for this? Does the team, because you're injured, what's going on? So I, I think each team does it differently. The the pirates are cool. They so they'll pay for a hotel basically for the whole time that you're injured. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you decide to go live somewhere else, then they'll give you you know like a, a stipend basically mm-hmm. based on how much getting the hotel would cost for them kind of thing. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um. So so yeah, I mean they cover this. I still I had to get my place in Pittsburgh because I had a place ready in Pittsburgh, obviously, for me to go up there. Um and because I wasn't going to go up there, I, I sent a very apologetic message. Like, look, I really want to live in this place and I don't want to lose it. So like, is there any way we can make anything better? And they, they were awesome. And they worked with me and managed to um, cut down the cost of when I'm not there. So nice. um, yeah, it was really nice. It was, it was super awesome. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thankful for that, but it is, it is weird because a lot of that, like, I didn't know either. So like, I'm trying to figure out all of this as well as everything's going on is like, wait, where do I live? You know, I have to move out of my Mm -hmm. house. I don't have another place set up yet. You know, it's been a lot of stuff and, but you know, I'm still not totally settled yet, but it's, it's, uh, it's working out. I'm I'm making the best of it. I know. I get it. And I love your attitude. I talked to you a couple of times on the phone and, and yeah, I mean, you're Stephen Brault. So it's not like you're down in the dumps. You're, You're like, okay, it sucks, but I'm doing the best I can. You probably haven't even played your piano in weeks. No, see, that's the biggest problem is I was, I was doing really good of playing it every day because I'm trying to get better. And now it's probably, it's probably been about a week since I've played it. And, uh, and that's the longest I've gone without playing it since I started at the beginning of the off season. So um, I kind of like, I hate, I hate that. Um, and that's one of the main reasons I want to get into the condo so I can start playing again and not lose everything that I've gained so right. far. Um but yeah, you know, being injured is, is part of baseball. There's so few people that actually go through a career without getting hurt. You know, if you play baseball for long enough, you're something's going to happen. Is this your first major injury, by the way? Um, I got not really. So I got hurt last year, but, but it, um, it wasn't as bad. And so like, since we had the COVID time as well, like I didn't actually miss any time. Um, I got in 2016, I, I tore my hamstring running to first base. Yeah, Ooh. I know. Right. It was a, it was like a bunt or a slash or something. And the pitcher got over late. Second baseman got over late. So then when I was about to step on the bag, the 
player put their foot in the middle of the bag. And then so I tried to extend my leg so that I wouldn't land on them. Uh And as soon as my foot hit, pop went my hamstring. And uh, that was 2016. I was in AAA. I was like crazy excited to be there. And then, of course, I do something stupid like that. Um, But and then Chad Cool came and pinch ran for me and got picked off. So that made me laugh at least. (laughs) That was a little i was laying you still on the wear him out over that one. Oh yeah he came in and i was like dude you're gonna make me look even worse by getting out there and getting picked off while i'm laying on a trading table like regretting my life's decisions on sprinting to first base on a ball that i just should have been out you know come on whatever so, so now you're hanging out in a hotel room in bradenton florida you're being a baseball junkie like the rest of us what is it like watching your team play is it like you're a fan. Yeah, it's sort of weird. Um, I, you know, I've been messaging the guys, um, after games, talking to them, pitchers, especially, um, just kind of, you know, trying to get a feel on how everything's going. Um, and obviously it hasn't been a great start to the season. Um, but I think for the most part, other than, you know, like yesterday when we, when we got routed, which is going to happen sometimes, you know, it's just whatever the reds are playing really well right now. Um, you just want to make sure you're playing like good quality baseball. And I think for our first, our first, you know, three, four games, I think we really were, you know, we, we, we only won one of them, but like the quality was good. There were close games. Um, these, these last two games haven't, haven't been it, but I think that, I think that we're going to be fine. I, I think it's just like a little bit of a, the reds are the hottest team in baseball right now, especially their offense, you know, to start the season, come out of the season, come out of the gates hot. Yeah, but um, how do you watch a game? Do you watch it like a fan? Like, are you? I, I mean, you heard me minutes before. We're we're taping this podcast while yep. the Indians are playing a game, and while the Pirates are just finishing up a game against the Reds. Do you swear at the TV? Do you? Are you like what? The, what are we doing? Like, because that's what I do. Yeah, sort of. I I get like I, I think I'm watching with a little bit of a different lens because I'm also trying to get a read on how so. my players are like my teammates are feeling and, and what they're doing um, and trying to, it's, it's kind of nice. You kind of get to step back a little bit. Right. And I know how these pitchers that I've played with for years, I know how they operate. Um, I know what they like to do. Um, so getting to kind of see it from, from here, you know, you can't really get as good of a read when you're at the game on the side, you know, you can't see how pitches are moving and stuff as you can from the back. So I think in that regard, it's, it can actually be a little bit helpful. Um, but, but I just, I feel like one of the main things I like to do is to have conversations with people and like those, those person to person, like moments where you can like build relationships and really get close to each other. Um, and we just, obviously I can't do that as of yet. Um, so I miss that part of it a lot, but I I think I'm, I'm doing what I can and, and it's my team, you know, like I'm going to watch every game hundred percent. So it's um, it's just kind of part of being injured, but I, I don't want people to think I'm like separating myself. Like I'm not part of the team. You know what I mean? No, no, but I've talked to players who they say it is the worst when you are hurt. And even if you're still with the big league club, like you go in early, you get your rehab. In some cases you don't hang around some guys. It depends on what's happening or the injury itself. Like it is, it's emotionally challenging for you right now because you're yeah, by yourself. Yeah, it, it's true. But like one of the main things that people don't realize, especially right now with COVID, is that like when you're hurt, if you're around the team, you just kind of in the way, you know? 
Um, you're going to be taking up trainers time who need to get guys ready for the game. Mm -hmm. You're taking up training table space, which sounds funny, but like, especially on the road, there's usually only two, maybe three training tables. So it's not like there's a bunch of space, um, where you're able to, I mean, you're, you're legitimately in the way. And so, like you said, the only thing you can do is get there way early and get everything done. But really all, then all you're doing is you're just going and then you see people a little bit, but with COVID, they wouldn't allow you to stay, you know, cause you're not on the active roster. So like, there's just a bunch of stuff that this is just how it has to be. Um, mm -hmm. Not ideal, like I said, but um, it's just part of playing, man. Everybody gets injured. Um, I know. That, that's like, I, I say this all the time, but John Lester pitching over, you know, 30 starts in 10 consecutive seasons. It's just absolutely bananas. Like people don't do that. That's crazy. It's crazy mm -hmm. to not get hurt for that long. So um, he's like this crazy outlier, you know, you don't see most people go through something like what I'm going through at some point in their season, in their career. Uh, real quickly um, in a blowout loss, Sometimes you got to throw position players out there and Phillip Evans hits a home run, provides mm -hmm. you guys with the only run. And then he goes out and pitch a scoreless eighth inning as well. Yeah. Are you like cheering at the top of your lungs? Yeah, dude. So I love Phil. He's awesome. And, uh, and I know as a position player, it's funny because they always like position players always talk like, Oh, I want to, I'm going to pitch an inning. I'm gonna pitch. And then they'll like throw little pitches, you know, like, and I know Phil, a hundred percent Phil's probably in love with a two seamer. Cause that's what I think he was throwing a little 77 <laughs> mile an hour, two seamers, a little bit of movement. And like, we always say when it, when it happens that way, it's just like, Oh, it's just that easy guys. Just throw it 78 miles an hour, right down the middle. And they just get themselves out. Right. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. It's not that simple. Um, it's very difficult, but good for Phil. I'm happy for him. And uh, I mean, I feel like, Position player pitching always goes one of two ways. It's always either one, two, three, or it's Homer, Homer, double Homer. You know what I mean? Or it's just like, <laughs> Oh, this did not speed up things like we wanted to. Um, but yeah, no, I love that. What a, what a game, uh, Homer and a, and a scoreless inning. Good for him. Yeah. By the way, David Ross, the, the Cubs skipper, his first career Homer came off of Mark Grace. Oh, that's tough, man. Right. That's like, tough. you can't even really celebrate it the way you want to. Gracie's yeah. out there doing his whole like Mike Fetch thing where he used to do the, yeah, the head yeah. twist and everything and then gave up a, a bomb to Rossi. Well, that's like uh, if you're a pitcher and your first career strikeout is against a pitcher, that sucks. Oh, that's yeah. a bummer. Yeah. That didn't happen to you, right? No, no, no. I had, um, oh my gosh, I always forget his name. <laughs> I shouldn't forget his name. He's a shortstop for the Cardinals. Oh my gosh. Paul Johnny DeYoung? Peralta, Johnny, Peralta. Oh, Johnny Peralta, Johnny J H O N N Y. Yeah. Yes. J Hani Peralta Johnny. as I, as I yep. called him. Yeah. Yep. Got so him. that was a pretty good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good one. It was a slider. That was, I was going to say it was a slider. I knew it. I knew it was it a three, I... two slider. That was questionably maybe down, maybe down. Uh -huh. I got the call. So I'll take it. Yeah. And we were like, fuck, I made it, dude. I'm yeah, in like, the board. I'm so in the cool. book. Dude, yeah. I only got out of my first inning scoreless because Matt Holiday hit a ball about 8,000 miles an hour directly to the first baseman who caught it and <laughs> stepped on first for a double play. I was like, yes, baseball is awesome. And then I kept pitching in the big leagues, and I was like, oh, baseball sucks. And it's a constant back-and-forth battle since then. <laughs>
<laughs> That's beautiful. We got much more coming your way with uh, Stephen Brault as we talk about Nick Castellanos and bat flipping. Plus, he'll yeah. turn in his homework assignment. We had to call a little audible on that. And don't forget, we're going to spin the wheel of moderately interesting things. It's all coming your way right after this. Hey, everybody. Baseball is back. The fields, they look great. Well, you know what? You need to clean up your act a little south of the border, if you know what I'm talking about. So why don't you let our friends from Manscaped help out? If you listen or watch our show, they've got an exclusive offer for you. You get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code Rose at manscaped.com. Manscaped, it is trusted by more than 2 million men worldwide. So join the movement today. They've been working on their brand new lawnmower 3.0 for the last 18 months. It is new and improved. There's also an anti-chafing ball deodorant and also a crop reviver. It is a spray toner specifically for your balls. So go out and take care of it. And one other thing, Manscaped wants to remind you that April is Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. Now, I got to admit, some of my friends that are dudes, they don't like to see their doctors. I don't know if they're afraid of what the doctor might say. Sometimes they think they're, they're too tough. They don't need to see the doctor on a regular basis. You do need to. You have to get a checkup every year. And by the way, if you're cleaning yourself and you feel something a little funny south of the equator, go get it checked out. Don't say, oh, I'm sure it's nothing. You'd rather have the doctor say it's nothing. So go take care of yourself. That's a word courtesy of Chris Rose and our friends at Manscaped. Quick reminder, you get 20% off and free shipping with any order with the, the code word ROSE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Please use the code word ROSE. Strike out your pubes with Manscaped this season. All right, Stephen, let's get into fun stuff. Like fun stuff. flipping. Yeah. Nicholas Castellanos. Yes. And red hot in the early season. So takes you guys deep, gets his team fired up. Is, is there a problem with this? No. So, okay. I actually, um, I like to listen to both broadcasts. Sometimes I listen to Padres, bro, or Padres, Padres. See, that's just in my head. Always Padres. You're from San Diego. I get exactly. it. Exactly. Sometimes Pirates broadcast, sometimes the Reds broadcast, or, you know, whoever we're playing. Mm -hmm. um, and they actually brought up a really good point, which most of the time I don't agree with broadcasters, even though I want to be one eventually, which is mm -hmm. kind of funny. But they brought up the point that, he's celebrating towards his team. So he's not looking at mm -hmm. Sam Howard, our pitcher and showing up Sam. He's looking back at his team and hyping up his team and getting everybody excited. It was a big moment in the game. It was a go ahead home run. Like it's a cool moment. And there's no, there's no intention of showing up the other team there. There's just genuine, pure excitement aimed at your team to also get them excited. And I have absolutely no problem with that. I really, really don't. And I don't think anybody should, because if you do, that means that you're just staring at him looking for something to get mad at. You know what I mean? Where it's like, you're, you're clearly in the fault in some kind of fault here too. That's the way I look at it. Um, so I I'm, I'm in, I'm in on it. I good for him. Um, obviously it sucks and I'm pissed that it was against us. Um, but at the same time, like just talking about the celebration itself, I'm, I'm cool with it. What, what, okay. what do you think? Well, I love it. Okay. I love personality in the game. And to me, that's part of it. I think this game is the toughest one of all the major sports to play. Oh yeah. It is so difficult, right? 
But so when you see Castellanos do this on opening day, is there a difference when he was skipping down the line against the St. Louis Cardinals? He still did look into his own dugout, but it was a little more of a hop, skip and a jump against Jack Flaherty. Is there a difference there? I mean, that looks different, right? I mean, there's, there's like the initial Sammy Sosa did the, did the sideways did hopping, bunny hop. Right. right. Um, and, and I don't know, once again, it's excitement. It's not, showing up the other team i'm not looking at the other guy yelling at him saying you suck i'm better than you um there's frustration there i get it everybody's fired up everybody's heated i i don't think they hit him on purpose i really don't um but like i don't know it's just kind of something that comes along with the game i guess you know um and and he gets upset you really don't think you don't think they plunked him huh i don't know i don't think so i i it seems like, like they wouldn't have to, like they, there's, there's no reason to. Um, and, and to me, if Cassianos is getting hit there and getting mad about it the way he did, he's expecting it. Right. So he, he was thinking, Oh, I might get mm. hit when I go up to the plate next time. That's the only reason he's mad about it. So does he think he did something too much or wrong? Right. Or so now we're all looking at whose fault is this, who, you know, who did this. And so if they hit him on accident, but he's looking to get hit because he thinks, oh, they're going to hit me because they're mad that I did something exciting or whatever. So I don't know. It's just like a circle. Everybody's looking at everybody. That's what it is. It is a vicious circle. And and I want to circle back to your question to me. I don't think the point can ever be, well, um, he can't celebrate because that's the way it's always been. I hate that. It stunts our growth as human beings. If we're just going to continually think the way they used to decades ago, right? Like I used to walk around MLB network and ask the guys and I'd say, Hey, Mark DeRosa, Al Leiter, what, what what's the matter with this sort of stuff? Why, why am I missing something as a baseball fan? You know, like I love the excitement. I love it when guys get fired up, whether they're, striking somebody out or anything like that. And they said, well, it's just, I was taught a certain way. Okay. You you can be taught a certain way, but by the way, you're a grown adult. You can think any way you want. Right. Yeah, exactly. And like, there's two things about this play that's being shown right now that I want to talk about. One, talk about hitting Castellanos on purpose. And the reason I don't think he did, did you see where that curveball went? A little uh, high and inside for a right-handed hitter. A little bit. That would have gone behind anybody's head. The, the point is, it's there's some command there that's that's not there right now. Okay, so I think that 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 was indicative that it was an accident. Secondly, the reason this fight happened was because Castiano stood up and stared at him on the ground, and that's going to happen in any sport and in, in, in anything like that kind of like that that fight was not because of a uh the bat flip right that fight was because when Castellanos slid in and there was a close play at the plate Castellanos made the decision to stand up look down at the guy on the ground and I assume say some very not nice things and that's when things got fired up you know what I mean okay but but he's not gonna he's probably not gonna say anything if he gets on base because he gets a single instead of gets hit by a pitch right 
right. that that's slide might have taken place, but he's not right. So here we are in the vicious circle world again. Circles, yeah. Because like, I mean, if you look at it, you know, it's it's a, just a bang bang play at the plate. Everybody hits everybody. It happens all the time. But then he decides to get up and yell something, and Yachty hears it. You know, Yachty's fiery guy. So Yachty's like, no, 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 that's not okay. And Castellanos is like, ba ba ba, and he's walking away. He's he did his thing. He said his piece, and he's walking away. Woodford's kind of like, I'm gonna push, but I'm gonna stand back here. And Yachty and Moose are in the middle. It's just classic. It's classic baseball brawl. Like that, you know, everybody's pushing and shoving because everybody's mad. But you know, it's. Uh, it, I thought it was funny because then Castellanos is back, standing with his hands behind his back you know, over by the yeah. dugout when everything right. else is happening. And it's just like, I don't, I, he probably didn't mean for this to happen. He probably just got fired up and it just happened. And then you can't control 50 people, you know, you're one guy, but yeah, I just thought the whole thing was just a bit ridiculous. Yeah. I did love Castellanos's post-game interview yeah, where he exactly. said, listen, Yachty, by the way, could probably punch me in the face and I would still ask for an autographed Jersey. Yeah, afterwards. I love I that. That was funny. Yeah, I, I love that, that very well, funny. because it's true, too. Like, that's the thing is that it's part of baseball is emotionally you get fired up because it's a game of failure. So when you succeed, you get really excited. OK, one thing. Second thing is that when you have like a, a fight like that happen, most of the time it's because multiple things happen. You know what I mean? It's ne mm -hmm. it's never just like a guy gets hit and now we're brawling. It's like home run guy gets hit, slide into home, bark at him. Now we're fighting. You know what I mean? It's, it's like a, a process, but there's just a lot people get fired up. And then afterwards you're like, oof, that was probably a bit much. Um, still love you, Yachty. You know, you're still one of my favorite players because he is, he's such a cool player. It's just like, so you get emotional, you get fired up. Have you ever had a guy yell at you from home plate? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And, and, and I've yelled at people from the pitcher's mound too. Who'd you yell I mean, at? I remember I yelled at, uh, this is so funny because Astadio is such a nice guy. Williams Astadio. Oh yeah, of course. Guy. So the twins. Yeah. So when he was in the minor leagues, uh, we were playing and he came up with, he was their four hitter. Okay. He never struck out. He was so, he was hitting like 370 because he was so good. And I uh, came up to the plate and nobody on base, two, uh, two outs. And he tried to drop down a bunt and it like went basically right back to me. Like, and so I was going towards the first base dugout and he was there and i was like are you kidding me like i don't know i probably threw in some f-bombs too about how lame it is that the four hitter came up and tried to tried to lay down a bunt with nobody on so i was just kind of egging him on about that i think he just laughed i i think he understood that i was just fired up too um but yeah he seems he, he seems like cool dude and i hope he doesn't hate me for doing that but he might you know that's really the only interaction we've ever had so it's not a very positive one um but let's see other people yelling at me. I mean, because I'll give you this last season, you hit Contreras and Rizzo back to back at bats. Oh yeah. Like, That's do you right. hear, do you hear some chirping out of the Cubs dugout? I mean, yeah. By the yeah. Way, yeah, you do. So it's mostly from the dugout. So like, first of all, uh, I've faced Contreras and Rizzo a bunch. They both know I throw inside all the time. Right. I mean, it's what I do. Um, right. and especially with Rizzo being right on the plate, this hey. pitch that I throw him that I throw that pitch all the time. I obviously I'm not trying to go far enough inside to hit him, but he knows. And I know that I'm going to throw two seamers that I'm trying to get, you know, him to ground out to first base. And, and I, I throw it a lot. Um, I've hit him a few times because of that. Um, and I think that's part of the frustration that goes into it, but I would never 
I would never do it on purpose. You know, it's just part of pitching. He's a really big dude who's standing right on the plate because he wants to take away the outside part of the plate. He believes that if I try to go inside and I miss out over the plate, well, now it's like a perfect pitch, right? Or if I try to go away, he's covering away because he's standing so close to the plate. So in my mind as a pitcher, I'm going to dominate that inside part of the plate or just off the plate, even though you're right there because I need to, in order to get him out. So like, I'm not going to shy away from that pitch. It's his decision to stand that close to the plate. Uh, that pitch is one of my best pitches that I'm going to throw. The problem is that, uh, you know, sometimes it kind of, yeah, there's a little, very small margin of error. Exactly. And so like, I, I understand he, I'm sure he was frustrated because like I said, I've hit him a few times, but like, I would never do it on purpose. That's just, he's choosing to stand really close to the plate knowing that I throw there a lot. So um, that's just part of it. When you, you are watching it in. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, it it yeah, doesn't no. tickle. No, no, no. It doesn't tickle. It's not feel good. Have you been, have you been hit in the big leagues? No, no. I, I do everything I can to avoid getting hit. Always have. I am, I am not a strong-willed person. I'm not like, you know, that whole college thing, like stay in there, get hit, you know, get us a base runner. I was like, nah, I'm going to move out of the way and get a hit instead because that's terrible. <laughs> as long it. as I don't tear my hamstring while trying to yeah, extend right? my stretch yeah. at first base. Um, when you're watching a game, can you tell when a pitcher throws at somebody? Uh, well, see, here's the thing is that it's hard to tell um because even the most the pitchers with the best command in the world still hit people every now and then because every now and then the ball just stays on your finger a little bit longer than it's supposed to or mm -hmm. it flies out a little early right i mean it just it happens nobody's perfect um so this is what i'm talking about circles it's all reading into what's been going on in the game or what happened in games before like, well that's that's my point like yeah. i understand so you're paying attention to the layering of the game and but could you, as a major league pitcher, let's say a guy's gotten hit earlier, can you tell if the other team's pitcher then throws at somebody or if it literally was a mechanical issue? Um, for the most part, yes. I, I think that first of all, if you're ever going like a lefty thrown to a righty, like the way I hit Contreras, like up and in like that, that's because I was trying to go fastball up and in and I just missed. Um mm -hmm. But that pitch is generally how you can tell if it's more intentional or not, because going all the way across the plate is harder than, than leaving it arm side, if that makes sense. See, but I, I would have yeah. looked at that as an amateur. I would have looked at that pitch to Contreras that we're showing right now on our YouTube channel. And I would have said, it, it, assuming I didn't know anything else about what had transpired in the game, I would have said, my God, that looks like he was trying to hit him. Right, exactly. And, and like, that's, that's the problem with it. But if you look into what's been happening in the game or what's happened in our past, there's absolutely zero reason for me to hit him. I have nothing against Wilson Contreras at all. And I hit him because I was trying to go up and in and I just held onto the ball a little bit too long. So I only actually missed the spot I was looking to throw by like four inches, you know, because I want him to swing like this. Eh, you know, that's what I want. I want him to break his bat and hit a jam shot to the second baseman. Um, so I'm trying to get it up there and in there. Um, but then I just missed. And, and when you're 
going inside, I, you pitch inside, you're kind of playing with fire. Yeah. Um, and I pitch inside a lot. So I hit, I think I hit a little bit more people than, than the average person, but I found it to be more effective for me to be inside. So I try to stay inside. Okay. So Wilson Contreras had been hit on back-to-back nights by the Milwaukee Brewers. And in mm-hmm. six of their previous 11 games at that point, if you're the Cubs pitcher the next day, is it bubbling in your mind that this has happened? Um, probably. Yeah. I, I think it all depends on, I, uh, first of all, I just want to say that Wilson Contreras getting hit so much is kind of just like a funny thing because it doesn't he doesn't like stand close to the plate. He's just one of those guys that for whatever reason has been getting dosed. And I don't think the Brewers are hitting him on purpose. I think them, just like everybody else, know that he has a hard time hitting fastballs inside. So like we're going to throw him fastballs inside. That means he's going to get hit a little bit more. Um, as far as like, yeah, getting hit in the head, getting hit up near the top. Nobody likes that. Nobody's trying to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're if you're the Cubs pitcher today, there and there could be something you talk about but like you don't want to just start fights to start fights you know that doesn't help um so like i don't know i i i've never intentionally hit somebody in my life and i i don't think i ever will um i do intentionally throw inside for effect to try to get people to move and have hit people because of that but i've never intentionally hit anybody so it's hard for me to say um but like also if a guy on the brewers gets hit and if you've seen what's been happening and it's a genuine, just like hit him in the thigh, then you just, then is, are we okay now? Is everybody good? Can we stop doing this? You know, are we, are we cool? Or does it just start another whole big thing? And then it just keeps going and going and going. Somebody eventually has to be like, we're done. You know, we're good. Let's just play baseball because we're just playing baseball. You know, we don't need to hurt people to prove a point. That's, that's what I think. Yeah. I just sit here and I, I wonder how those discussions happen. Like, first of all, you should never put it on a kid who's, no. you know, right. Ever. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, I feel like that's the old timey baseball thing though. Yeah. We just don't really do anymore. People used to do that all the time. And it, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal, you know, like, um, I feel like even when I was in the minor leagues, I remember something happened and like, one of our, or one of their players got hit a few times or something like that. And so our leadoff hitter coming out the next inning, this is like when I was in low way. So our leadoff hitter coming out the next inning, like everybody's like, Hey, you're probably going to get hit. So, you know, just do without what you will. And he went up first pitch, got hit right in the side of the leg and then just went to first base. And then everybody was like, cool. So it was on him to make that decision what to do, you know? Um, and so there's always a decision to be made. It doesn't matter what's happening, who hits who. Um, there's always somebody making the choice to either get fired up and start a fight or mm-hmm. to just walk it off and just be like, look, it's over, right? It's over. Let's just play baseball. Um, I like to think I'm the let's play baseball guy. Yeah. It's just baseball. Like, what? It's just baseball. Nobody should be trying to hurt anybody. Everybody should be trying to make as much money as they can and play for as long as they can and not have to hurt anybody in the process. Since you've had so much time to watch baseball, did you see the Angels fans throw the inflated and then the real trash can on the field when they were playing the Astros? And if so, did you chuckle? I, I didn't see it live, but I did chuckle because it's, I mean, it's just kind of funny. I mean, you know, like 
I, I remember there's been people who have been saying like, yeah, people, you know, it's been two years separated from this whole thing. Like nobody's going to really have a, you know, fans aren't going to react the same way they would have last year. Seems like fans remember and they are not <laughs> happy about it. Um, I don't understand how somebody managed to get a whole trash can. Cause I assume that's yeah. at, that's at the top, yeah. right? Well, not only that dude was in a one arm sling, bro, that he, he grabbed it with one. Look at this. Look, wow. his arm is in a sling. So he dragged that whole, it's not like that thing was just next to his seat. He dragged it all the way down and threw it over the wall. It's commitment, commitment to the process of being a jerk. <laughs> um, I, I guess I, I get it. You know, fans are, fans are frustrated. It's, it's fans are angry and fans hold on to things longer because it's like, you feel like you, you know, these guys stole this from, from my team, you know? And what do you feel as a, as a guy that's on the same level as them? I hated it. I hate that they did it. Um, I can't believe that we let it get to a point, you know, where people are able to use technology to cheat. I think that, I think we've talked about this before. I think part of baseball is cheating as in stealing signs when you're on second base. Um, mm -hmm first base coach if the catcher's leaving their leg open too wide and he can get signs and relay them to the hitter absolutely like that's part of it because that's all happening on the field gamesmanship as, gamesmanship as long as it's happening on the field go for it it's not cheating it's not cheating in my opinion but when it comes to using technology that's placed around the field specifically to be able to tell people what's on the field like the fact that pitchers are now using multiple signs with nobody on base sometimes just tells you baseball like that's wrong there's nobody on base there's nobody no way for them to find out possibly what pitch is coming right other than if the catcher's like leaving his leg wide open but then they'd be coming from the first base coach which is on the field mm -hmm. so anything that is off the field and used to make the game easier and tip the cards in your favor i absolutely hate and and i still like it blows my mind that there were no real repercussions for that but um you know that's not my job so whatever well here's what dusty baker had to say after the game you can tell the amount of hostility and the amount of hatred in this in, in the stands and um you know how many in the in the in the stands have never done nothing anything wrong in their life or you know you know we paid the price for it how many people have not cheated you know, on the test or, or, or whatever at some point in time. I mean, it's easy, you know, if you live in glass houses, but I don't think anybody lives in glass houses. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, sometimes we need to look at ourselves before you, uh, you know, spew hate on, on somebody else. Like I said, it's, uh, it's a sad, you know, situation for, you know, for America to me, you know, when you, when you hear things, I mean, what are the kids supposed to think in the stands or, you know, and then and some of them are kids are following their parents. And uh, it's, uh, it's sad to me, like I said, it, you know, people make mistakes and, um, you know, we paid for ours and, uh, you know, I wish they'd leave it alone. Well, first of all, I love Dusty Baker. I met him in a, in a bar after a game in Pittsburgh one time and he knew who I was and it completely made my life a million times better. I was like, hi, Mr. Baker. I'm and he's like, I know who you are. You're Stephen Brawl. And I was like, Oh, oh, oh that's so cool. Um, and we had a conversation for like 10 minutes. It was really cool. He's a really good dude, but I disagree. Um, I, I think that 
uh, teaching kids that cheating is wrong is a good thing. Uh, I don't think that the kids should be unaware of of what's going on. That was um, very funny. I thank you. I think that uh, what first of all, he used the the glass houses phrase backwards. Um, yeah, he did. He did. Uh, I get what he was saying though is that we all live in glass houses. You know, we've all done something. Yes, we have made mistakes, but also you have to deal with the mistakes and the consequences of making the mistake. And the Astros players did not have to give back the World Series rings. They didn't actually. Well, what do you think? What do you think they should have happened? I don't know. I, I I don't know. Like I said, it's not my job. But I'm saying. No, but you are you are a guy that battles allegedly on the same even playing field. So would you have liked to have seen the commissioner say we're expunging it from the record? It didn't. 2017 did not happen. The championship is vacated. No. I, an asterisk, uh, maybe like, like what Barry Bonds has, you know, is an asterisk like that. Once you put an asterisk on it, people, it still technically happened. It's in, you know, the hall of fame or whatever hall of records for baseball, but you see that asterisk in 2017 and you look down at the bottom of the page and you go, they were caught cheating using trash can, blah, 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 you know? So that you at least so that people don't forget what happened. I don't think people should forget what happened. And I and and it's still wild to me that there were no player repercussions at all. Not a single well, one. Well, see, I get that. I understand that because I watch crime shows all the time. You cannot get the information if you're a prosecutor that you're looking to get unless you cut a deal sometimes. And True. they had to cut a deal with the players because then they wouldn't gotten any information whatsoever. Yeah. Did they did Major League Baseball really want this going in, in front of a the judicial system? Of course no, they didn't. No. And and no. like and I get it. Like the truth is also that the Astros were like they were the America sweetheart. Remember that? Like, yes, they were in like 15, 16 and 17. They were who MLB was like throwing out there. Like these are right. our poster boys for baseball players. And Jose Altuve was like number one on that list. Cause he's undersized. Everybody loves him. He's great. Mm -hmm. And so then when it came out that they were cheating, I mean, that's gotta be like your worst nightmare, right? I mean, you, this team totally. that you've had, you know, in the mainstream who, who came from nowhere, like they were really, really bad for multiple years for a while. And then, yeah. and it, and it worked like their system worked. They drafted well, they traded well, they built up a system, they got better and better. And all of a sudden, boom, hundred game winners. And then they won the world series in 2017. And it was like the coolest thing, the coolest story. You know, it was a small market team that turned themselves into a big market team by being the best team in baseball. Right. They did it. Right. And then we found out they cheated and it's like, it breaks your heart, you know, as a baseball fan, if you're just a true baseball fan, it's like, that sucks. Like everybody was cheering for these guys. We loved it. We loved that they were beating the Yankees, you know, and they were beating the Red Sox and they were, and they were, you know, they were just the best team in baseball. And that's so cool. And then you find out they were cheating and it's like, ugh, well, that sucks. And I think that it, it hurts enough that to expect people to have forgotten about it when they didn't even get to address it last year is crazy. I don't think that there should be ever any kind of actual like danger or harm or anything like no. that. But no. 
when it comes to, and also, and, and sorry, I know, but I'm saying like, I don't even like throwing an actual trash can on the field. Yeah, I, I was, I know, as funny as it was, the one arm dude doing it, not one arm, but you understand the guy who yeah. had the ability to use one arm at that point. Yes. Um, yes, I, I'm with you on all that stuff. But I think, and I am a huge Dusty Baker fan too, even though he just knows me as the guy. Hey, you're the guy. So he doesn't know Chris Rose, but he knows the guy. It's good enough. But he always, he, that's perfectly fine. Anyway, he's wrong. Fans should boo the shit out of them all I year agree. long. Yeah. Just be, and by the way, if you want to do that for the rest of their respective careers, every time Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman and all those guys come up to the plate and George Springer, now that he's, I love that outfit, by the way, <laughs> so we're showing funny. the Oscar, trash the gra- the guy dressed as Oscar, the Grouch holding That's the funny. trash sign. It is funny. So I'm all, I'm good with it and they got to wear it. They should wear it. I think the part of the mistake was, I don't know if you remember at fan fest at the beginning of 2020, this was the first time that players had a chance to address this in front of the media. Mm-hmm. And it was an Altuve and Bregman were left to swim on their own by the organization, which was a horrible, horrible move. Ownership should have gotten in front of it. And everybody should have said, listen, we screwed up. We screwed up. So however you want to feel is up to you. And, and we hope that you'll one day find it in your hearts to say, you know what? Maybe we're sorry, but they never did that at the beginning. They hired the worst PR firm to help them out. I don't even know if they hired a PR firm, to be honest with you. And if so, they're going to get the worst reviews ever on Yelp (laughs) because they were, it was terribly executed and it's not fair to just single-handedly throw the ball players out there and say, go for it, man. Go answer the questions for the entire organization. It was such a bullshit move. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. And was it Springer? So, no, Correa. Correa. Correa had the whole thing that got blown up because he basically said, like, I'm not sorry. And, yeah. like, said that we were just the best team. And, like, dude, what? You were literally, like, convicted of cheating. Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, you have to you have to address that. You can't just. But yeah, I thought the same thing because they like they like were literally out there on their own, right? Totally. Yeah. It was like, at dude, a fan fest in Houston, craziness. and people were like, "Well, because it's just the local media, nobody's going to ask any questions or bother them." But like, what? Are you kidding me? It was horrible. And by the Bad way, move. yeah, like Jose Altuve is one of my favorite players of all time. He really is. He represented everything that is good for the game. And I don't know how often he was getting, you know, you could hear the banging on the tape. Thanks to John boy, like yeah. who peeled back the curtain on all that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how much it was helping him. I don't know if he was listening to it. I, who knows? I just don't know, man. Yes. However, the, the hardest thing, nobody like the hardest thing to say is that somebody should have came forward. Right. That's the easy thing to say. No, or sorry, that the, wasn't going to happen. Exactly. That's the easy thing to say. Is if somebody really cared, they would have come forward. But put in that situation, you're going to go in and say all of your teammates are cheating. That's that's tough. Obviously, it's the right thing to do, um, but it's it would be really hard in that situation. Um, but also, like, 
I, I agree. Jose Altuve is a great player. I love watching him play. He's bananas. He swings at pitches that are three feet over his head and gets hit. It's awesome. Um, but like at the same time, now he's always going to be known as one of the guys who was on that team that she did. And so, yeah, he might get booed the rest of his career. It, it might be that way, but I don't, I, I think that people aren't going to like in the future, look back on this team, the way that they look back on like, you know, Pete Rose gambling and, you know, Barry Bonds, Black Sox. the Black Sox. Exactly. It's not going to be, it's not going to be like that. Won't be that stain. Hmm. No. Well, because okay. the, did, the, did the Black Sox get to keep their world series? No, they got, they no. got, they had to forfeit, right? Yeah. So it's not the same. And I think that okay. was probably on purpose. Interesting. Let's move on to something that was really fun to watch. And that was Shohei Otani. Oh, throwing 101 yeah. and hitting a ball 115 mile an hour exit velo That's as a guy boy. who was a two-way player in college that was like off the charts dude so sick and he did it on the first inning that's so cool i i think that shohei otani is just such a treasure that is i'm so happy that we get to do it remember when we talked about this earlier though and i said what does full go mean? Does that mean he's going to hit for himself when he pitches? And we both said, there's no way that's going to happen. It's happening. Sure enough. And I am psyched about it. I'm so Not psyched. Not only was about he it. hitting, he was hitting second and yeah. first pitch. Boom. He hits a moonshot. So I just, oh, I love it. I love it. And let the, like, I feel like that'll, that will help him be better because it's going to keep him on his routine. You know, it's going to keep him feeling good. He's not going to have all these weird off days mm -hmm. um, around all the time. So I, as long as he can keep his body healthy, I don't actually know. Is he okay after the, the slide to the ankle? I don't. I yeah. Don't I mean, they, I... they think it's, yeah, he, they think he'll be okay. Yeah. Um, so you're a guy that, how good a hitter were you in college? I know you were great in high school. I hit 370 my freshman year. I oh, hit, my bad. I only hit 300 my sophomore year. That was a down year. Um, but I hit 400 my my junior year. Was there ever any talk about you being a two-way player? Mm. No, no, not at all. That was before two-way players were even a thought. You know, nobody thought about that back when I got drafted in 13. Shohei Otani is the one that kind of made this happening because now it's happening in the minor leagues. Um, people are hitting and pitching now. Some some people, obviously not all of them, but like yeah, McCabe, the the high draft pick for Tampa Bay. Yeah. Although he's banged up, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, so but, could, could you have done it? I don't know. I like to think I could have. I did it in um, summer ball in college, you know, where it, we play 70 games in 75 days. It's very much like a short season, minor mm -hmm. league season um, in, the, in the Northwoods League that I played with. And I did it then. And I did pretty solid. I made the all-star team as a hitter, not as a pitcher. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, but... I don't know. It would be really hard. It would be really hard. It would be very taxing for a 162 game season. That's a long time. That's like playing offense and defense in the NFL, in my opinion. Like it's just got to be hard to stay healthy. I mean, it's 162 games is a ton. Okay. So physically, what is his biggest challenge? Um, well, he's in the American league. So that is one benefit. Um, I assume he's not going to do anything but DH day before, day after, probably two days after. So you're talking about you're not going to be able to have a DH other than Shohei Otani for at least three days a week, in my opinion. Um, 
because the biggest, the biggest problem you're going to have is after throwing a hundred pitches, I've done this before where you go out and you're playing outfield the next day and a ball is hit to you and you have to make a throw to home and your arm is dead from throwing hundred pitches yesterday and you throw it as hard as you can, you know, and my, your whole arm just goes numb. And then you worry for the next two minutes, whether or not you're ever going to be able to throw a baseball again. So like that kind of stuff, you can't let happen. So like he has to play. He has no, but, to so he's a DH that's not going to happen. So he doesn't have to throw other than once a week as a pitcher and whatever side work he's doing. So yeah. physically what is now, what's the biggest issue? Um, just wear and tear. That's what it's going to be. Uh, it seems like he's a, he's in pretty damn good shape. He looks like yeah. a superhuman. Uh, right. so I think that he's in about as good of a place he can be. I mean, when it comes down to it, it's just like, he's covering pitching, he's covering home plate while he's pitching, he gets slid into, he breaks an ankle, he's out. Right. Cause that but just is it happens anything, in baseball. Like, can he be great at both crafts because, it, or is there, since he's pitching, is that taking away his prep time as a hitter and studying other teams pitchers? Or because he's being the DH and he's focusing on that, does that take away from him getting mentally prepared to be a starting pitcher? No, I don't think so. Look, <laughs> this is one of the big secrets of the game. We're not constantly working when we're at the field, especially pitchers, especially starting pitchers. Because you have four days, five days in between each start. And you're not constantly looking at scouting reports. Otherwise, you just inundate your mind with useless information when only some of it is actually important, right? You're not just constantly staring at hitters and watching video. We do it. Of course, you have to prepare. But if you did it constantly all the time, you know, you'd be way overthinking all the time. It, it wouldn't help. So there is plenty of time to be able to get your hitting in and everything, I think. I also think that there's a lot of hitters who would say, they don't need to hit as much. Like they don't need to hit as much in batting practice. They don't need to hit mm -hmm. as much in the cage as they do, but it's just kind of what you do because otherwise Got you're it. just sitting around and everybody thinks you're not getting your work in. Right. So mm -hmm. I think that he's going to be just fine. He's really, really good. I think what kind of separates him is that it doesn't seem he's not like, um, like a Tatis where it's like, everything looks like he's going hundred percent all the time. You know what I mean? Where it's effortless it's, looking. It's it's effortless looking. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's very, he's obviously, if he's throwing over hundred miles an hour, he's probably throwing the ball as hard as he can, but it doesn't look like that, which makes you think good mechanics, you know, in a safe space. So, I mean, I think, I think he can do it and he is just really good at both. So it's kind of a crime or it would be a crime to not at least try this out for real for one season. Listen, dude, we need this. Our need sport it. needs in the worst yeah. way you're because you're not going to miss. I love watching him hit because I saw him run as a rookie one time in Cleveland. I was at a game live. It was the first time I had a chance to see him in person. I was like, Holy shit. The guy can run. It's like the best kept secret in baseball. It took him like three strides to get to first base. I was like, Oh my God. Mm -hmm. And then you're not going to, the only thing that bothers me is he walks too many guys. I can't stand watching a pitcher when he's all over the place. So, like, I root for him to walk, like, two guys a game. He can't be five because then you're yeah. only going to go four and two-thirds, and that drives me up a wall. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that what he's going through, like what everybody goes through, is um, he, his pitches move so much and mm-hmm. people have such a hard time hitting them that like how often does he actually throw a splitter for a strike? Like not very often. The, the whole mm-hmm. point is that it looks like a fastball, looks like a strike, it drops. So hypothetically, if you just stand there and don't swing, is he going to throw three strikes before he throws four balls? Like that's that's what you're thinking as a hitter, right? Sometimes because it's like if I swing, I might just be helping him out, you know? Um, but once he, once he shows that he can throw all of his pitches in the zone, which I think he's doing a pretty good job. It's just like, like I said, his pitches move so much. He once he like zeros it in, which I have no doubt that he's going to do because he's that good. Um, yeah, then you have to start swinging. And once you have to start swinging, that's when you that's when you Garrett Cole it and get 300 strikeouts a season. You know, that's when it starts to happen because people know they have to swing against Garrett because he's going to throw all his pitches for strikes. So you have to swing. Problem is that yeah. then you end up swinging balls. You're a fanboy, I can tell. Oh yeah, I am too. Big fanboy. Yeah, absolutely. He's you so want to spin the wheel of moderately interesting things? I would love to. Okay. Here we I go. Mean, you do it, but I'll watch. Okay, you're right. You're such a voyeur. <laughs> Paper trail. I was gonna say if First we get time we've hit that one. Again, I was gonna. No, <laughs> you were gonna. gonna I was gonna walk away. Yeah, I'm <laughs> done. Be over. I'm out. <laughs> we were just. I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna walk over to the other side of my hotel room. In anger. Paper trail. What is the first big ticket item you bought as a major leaguer? Oh, as a major leaguer, my first big ticket item. Uh, I bought a truck, but it was not a nice truck. It was a completely run-of-the-mill Chevrolet Colorado. It cost me 31000 after tax. Um, I put a down payment on it and I loved it for a few years. I finally bought myself a new car this last year and gave that to my brother. Um, but wow. I, ne- I needed a car. This is why, I, okay, there's a story behind this. I bought the car because I was driving my parents' car through college and through the minor leagues, um, like driving it out to wherever I was playing, driving spring training, everything. Kiwi colored, like bright green Ford Escape hybrid. Love that car. <laughs> Okay. It's great. I get home from my first, you know, from that first September, right? Spent the month in the big leagues. I get home, car's gone. I'm like, ah, where's the Kiwi? Is that the Kiwi hype is what we called it. And where's the Kiwi? And my mom was like, oh, we gave it to Jack who lives in Washington. So I'm like, you just gave it to my brother who lives in Washington without telling me. She's like, yeah, well, we figured you could buy your own car now. I was like, dang it. <laughs> so it wasn't really a choice. It was kind of forced on me. Uh, so, but that is, that was my first big ticket item. And it's really the only other second item that I have is my, my new car. I haven't bought anything else. And I don't, I don't buy much stuff. I bought this microphone. It's a few hundred bucks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's tax deductible based on the work that you're doing since you're mm-hmm. an aspiring sportscaster. You're doing yeah, great. I'll, I'll make sure to send that over to the, to what do they call it? Turbo tax. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do wait. you do your own taxes? No, God, no. We have to do taxes in like 15 different oh, states. Oh, you're right. Oh yeah. That's horrible. That's yeah. going to be a good topic one day. Yeah. We just get I have 15 W2s and I just send them all to tax oh. people. Um, I wait, I want to ask you one thing before we left. Cause we, we, I, we had sort of were addressing this when we were talking 
before. Um, I want to know because I coach and I have coached kids, you know, anywhere from like 10 year olds. I will not go any lower than that because at that point, like, it's just kids are having fun. It's not really mm-hmm. baseball in my opinion to mm-hmm. like 16, 17 year olds. That's the, the oldest I've coached. And I'm just wondering because parents are the worst. So yes, I'm wondering as a parent, when your kids were, were in that age range, what was your, you know, how did you actually feel? You know, would you actually get upset at umpires? Would you actually get upset at coaches for not playing your kids? Like, like I want to, I just want to get a feel because it's, it, bo- it's it a bothers great question. Okay. So I have been just a parent in the stands and I also coached little league for seven years. And I know there's mm-hmm. a lot of people listening and watching this is saying, Rose, I saw you throw baseball and intentional talk and there's no way you could have coached. <laughs> I was like the supportive person. So AJ right. Pruszynski always called me the team mom. But oh, that's nice. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm the guy that sends out the emails that rallies the kids, gets them fired up, makes sure we're all understanding why we're playing the game and that you're not going to get a hit every time up. And, you know, Orange why slices. aren't you playing this position? You know, so I'm I'm the yeah, I'm the emotional support here. That's nice. So, yes, I, that's the role I played. I did yell at a referee one time at our oldest son's basketball game, and I eventually became friends with him because he recognized my face from being at Balboa park all these years. But I remember saying to him one time, Hey, I've got an extra referees Jersey in the car. If you want me to throw it on and help you out. (laughs) And it was, it was such a bullshit move by me because he turned around and he gave me this look like, really? Like, dude, I'm making like, like 15 bucks an hour. Can you spare me that? And after that, when he, he didn't have to say a thing. He just looked at me and I was like, what an asshole. <laughs> but I never really yelled at the umpires. Occasionally, I'd be like, where was that pitch? Just so I could sound cool. Like, I didn't really need to know where the pitch was. Right. Yeah. Well, you like, know? my dad um, my dad is awesome, and he still umpires Little League games. So he's been doing oh, it for forever. Great. So my dad and two of his friends have been, you know, they're like the three squad for like the big important games a lot of times uh, in, in the little league that I played in. And it is so funny. I'll go to watch, you know, and I'll be sitting in the stands and like my dad, he always tells me this before the game, he gets the coaches together and goes, Hey guys, these are 12 year olds pitching big strike zone. Tell your kids to swing. Like we're, we're all yep. going to be swinging today and I'm going to have a big strike zone, you know, just be ready for it. And always it's like coaches don't believe it it's like they don't understand like i'm gonna call a big strike if the catcher catches the ball in the air and it's not over the kid's head it's probably gonna be a strike you know like unless it's extremely off to the side because like you want kids swinging Uh, you don't get any better at baseball by standing there and taking a walk when you're 12 years old you should well you should tell major leaguers that yeah i know um but I just think it's so funny. And I, and I, the coaches always yell, the coaches yell. And I'm like, dude, my dad's literally volunteering to do this. He gets paid zero dollars and zero cents to come out here on a Friday night and coach your kids <laughs> or and, and umpire for your kids. Like what is happening, dude, calm down. It's so funny. I've seen my dad throw a coach out of a game. It was, Oh, you're kidding. Hilarious. Yeah. I was sitting there and the guy, they were, they were yelling about a play at second base Two umpires. Okay. So the, uh, the base umpire had to rotate around to check if the guy, you know, out of play at second base. So my dad has the guy at first and the guy trying to score. Mm-hmm. 
So the no play happens a second. They try to throw home. Uh, ball gets passed. So the kid that was hitting goes to second, and then the kid that was on second goes to third. They appeal because this kid definitely didn't touch first base, right? He definitely, like, just ran around it. But my dad couldn't physically watch that play happen. He had to be watching the play at home plate happen. And so it's just like, sorry, man, that's part of having only two umpires. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, my God, dude. This dude, it, it was screaming, screaming. And I'm just like, there's no way this is happening. And my dad just eventually went, dude, you got to go. Like, leave. What are you doing? Like, right. Why are you yelling at me? And he, like, you know, my dad very much kept his composure. But I, I'm sure he had a, a few drinks about it later and laughed because that's just funny. I don't know. No, we, crazy. I, I was an assistant on a basketball team where our head coach, uh, his name is Pookie Wigginton. He played on the Seton Hall Final Four team in 1989. He was a backup point guard. Great cool. dude. Family is awesome, but he was a hothead with the, with the refs and he got tossed from a game. So he could not coach the next game. So I had to be like Dennis Hopper in Hoosiers and move oh, up. A chair. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. And yeah. So once again, like I could never design basketball plays. It just wasn't as much as a hoop fan. I am. It just, I wasn't wired that way. So my son had the best game of his life. He could really shoot. He can't run. He's six foot four now. He was decent sized then. I think he was like 11, but he had 27. He hit seven threes and it was Whoa. against his best friend. And I told him, I was like, Jack, my son's name is Josh. I was like, Jack, you better D him up better because he is just killing you. I was just talking <laughs> shit to his 11 year old best friend the entire game. I was like, Jack, he's owning you. He is owning you. And Jack kept looking over at me like, I was like, oh my God, I'm shit. I'm shit talking an 11 year old. <laughs> what's, what is my, what's happened what in my I life? Become? I, I've oh. become the thing I swore to destroy. Oh, oh my God. Man. All right. Let's check in before we let you go back yeah. to your exciting life in Bradenton, mm -hmm. Florida. Hey. Before you move to the other side of the hotel room. Uh huh. By the way, do you make your bed or no? Uh, well, they don't come in because of COVID. Like, right. You know, do that. So I sort of made it. I make it like that. You know, I put the sheet back on. I'm not a, I'm not a two slob. queens in there. Yeah. Two queen guy. Uh, well, not by choice. They were just like, Hey, this is the room we have for you. So I walked in, there were two beds. So I have like my suitcase on the other bed. It's actually really convenient. Okay. So your homework assignment for Mrs. Rose's homework assignment, uh, you were, you know, the pirates played in Chicago for the road series to kick it off. And we, we said, Hey, you got to go, Give us a be a food critic in it, one of the great food cities in this country. And then you got hurt. So we had to change things up. So instead, you had to be a food critic in Bradenton, Florida. Let's see how it went. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my review of Migi Sushi in Bradenton, Florida. As you may know, uh, I wasn't able to go up with the team because I got hurt uh, like a dumb dumb. So. Um, I'm going to be trying this instead of the Chicago food. Uh, I'm just going to try one piece of a shrimp tempura roll, which is one of my go-tos when I get sushi. It's kind of one of my tests. I don't normally get takeout sushi, but I really don't have a choice right now, and I really wanted sushi, so I'm getting it. Um, I'm just going to take one nice piece here. It's a good presentation. Gotti with chopsticks. Let's see what we got. The got rice looks, uh, looks pretty good. I can go with a little bit more. Um, there's a little bit of sauce there. Here we go. Crunchy on the inside, just a little bit. Mm, the rice is perfect. 
Well, mm, I'm going to give that like a, like a six out of seven. It's tasty. Um, strong suggest. Come to Florida. Come to Bradenton. Get me. Back to you, Chris, and me, I guess. Wow. I am a gifted food critic. I have a, my oldest brother is a professional chef and uh, I'm sure he is going to hate every second of that video. <laughs> There's so much to break down there. Let's start with the fact that you combed your hair with a firecracker on that day. Good <laughs> that's luck. What my hair, that's why I'm wearing a hat. Look at this. Let's see what happens here. This is, this is just what my hair is now. Oh my God. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. I just have a lot of hair. What am I supposed to say? That's what my hair looks like if I don't wear a hat. There's oh nothing else God. I can say. I'm sorry. Oh I my God. Hair. I can't hear you. Who cares? <laughs> okay. The <laughs> other part of that is you called yourself a dumb dumb. So you get major points for that. Yeah. Nobody well, uses the phrase dumb dumb anymore, particularly on a podcast where you could swear. So calling yourself a dumb dumb is excellent. I'm a and dumb finally, ass because I'm cool. I have never heard of a grading scale, a six out of seven. You usually either pick like one to 10 or one to five. You want a scale of one to seven on us. Well, you don't know if my scale is one to seven. Could have been zero to seven or you negative 30 to seven. Well, I just you're right. rated a six good... out of seven. Okay. No, this is no seriously though. Um, I, I think that a nine out of 10 would have been too generous. A four out of five wasn't enough. So we just increase the level a little bit. So you, and then we put it one underneath. So 90%, no good. No. And 80% is too soft. So you went 83% on us. I believe that's what six out of seven is, isn't it? Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. Yeah, so I'll give it an 83. God, that ready sounds for your so next... much worse than a six out of seven. <laughs> you ready for your homework assignment? It is to find and video the hottest spot in Bradenton, Florida. I'm not talking about temperature degrees, but the hot spot to be at in You're Bradenton. You're telling me I have to like, once again, voyeur, just like we talked about earlier, because I can't go anywhere. So I have to walk and be outside somewhere and video it from the outside. I'm going to get arrested, dude. This is terrible. I'm going to do it, but I want yes, you to know if I get arrested, it's your fault. Hey, listen, then the point is just get healthy as fast as you can. So I could start sending you on, you know, interesting stuff in St. Louis and Cincinnati yeah. instead of Bradenton. I mean, I kind of like it, though. I'm going to be a weird guy. I'm going to wear like a, I'm going to wear really nondescript clothes and sunglasses at night. <laughs> Video people on can, my phone. Can you please wear a, a Pirates Brault 43 jersey? <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. Well, I promise you, if I was wearing it, nobody would think it was me. They'd be like, <laughs> great call. And like, there's, like, there's no, no way he's here too. He wouldn't. He no wouldn't way. be wearing. He wouldn't be wearing his jersey. That'd be so dumb. <laughs> Definitely not him. What? What a dumb dumb he would be. He would be. Such All right. A well, dumb I hope. Dumb. I hope that we cured a little bit of your boredom. Yeah, we killed about an hour. Um, I, I have to do a a a, a video interview to move into my condominium complex that I want to move in because. What does that they mean? Make, they want to make sure that I understand the rules. Do you want us to do it for you right now? Yeah, I, I let me check to see if I know she texted me. Uh, no, never mind. They didn't send it to me. So we can help you out. 
Uh, I'll, I'll figure it out. Maybe, maybe, maybe if I, I, I think that it's honestly just, it's, I think they're going to be nice. I just know that they've had baseball players in there before who I guess didn't follow the rules. They just don't know that I'm a very strict rule follower. <laughs> so we'll see. You're the best man. Uh, get healthy. We'll talk to you in a, in a few weeks. Do we have a ballpark on when you might be up? Like after I'm the on the six today, so it won't be, it won't be before the end of May. So, okay. Maybe sometime right. after that. All right. We'll see. Just get, get healthy and we'll check in with you. And, uh, I think you should just do the rotating beds thing. Sleep in one bed one night, other bed the other. Just try it out. I'll Live think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll jump from one bed to the other, you know? We want to thank everybody for listening and tuning in to the Chris Rose Rotation here on John Boy Media. Don't forget to hit the thumbs up and leave a comment if you're checking out our YouTube channel. And also, wherever you download your podcast, give us five stars. Leave a rating as well and a comment and tell Stephen how great he is and that we need him back in the major leagues very, very soon. We'll see you next time here on the Chris Rose Rotation, a part of John Boy Media.